Grissom again to right. This one well hit. At the track, at the wall, he ambushed him and tied the game. Well, what a job. We saw the four base hits yesterday, three to right field. His first at bat had the right approach to go that way. A smart man watching these guys, seeing them late on fastballs, he tells himself, if I get one here, I'm going to be on time. Steve Bennett. Steve Bennett. You forgot my name? You nut. I don't know who you're interviewing. Duh. What's your name? Paula. So Steve and Paula are here for season 12. 12. Episode 5. 5. And it is the day after the first day of... School! School! On the show today... We have Joe Piznanski. He's going to lead us off. Uh, Joe, one year ago today, bet on himself and started a subscription Substack. And he's got a new book coming out next year. And he does the podcast, of course. And we get an update from Joe. We talk baseball with him. We talk about the business of sports these days, what it means to be a sports writer. We talk about his decision to walk away from the Cleveland Browns. And much more. Also, we're going to do a book club oh. update. Yeah. We're going to do a book club update. And after that update, we'll have Fred Siegel on. Fred is the man behind Whoa. behind the <laughs> Twitter account, Freezing Cold Takes, Old Takes Exposed. Whoa. Whoa. And his biggest complaint was always he didn't offer any context. So he wrote an NFL book of Freezing Cold Takes with lots of content. Whoa. And context. Paul is distracting me for some reason, <laughs> getting me off my point. She thinks she's funny. And uh, we'll have Fred on. I to do my hellos and what I did It was woo that people liked. <laughs> Not whoa. They're going to like whoa, too. They're going to like whoa, too, huh? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, anyway, Joe Piznanski, book club update, Fred Siegel, one whoa! last thing. In a few days, we'll have another episode. I know it's been a little bit since the last, but it won't be as long this time. Already have an interview recorded with S.L. Price, and we're going to record one Friday with Richard Deitch. What's up, Paula? When is our next 24-hour podcast going to be? Hopefully the second week of September. Hopefully next week, we're going to get Hollywood Dave rounded up and do a 24-inch podcast. Just talk right into the mic, honey. Just say what you want to say. To hear. Well, then we'll cut it out if it if the listeners really can't hear it. Okay, what's up? Uh, so this you gotta talk into the mic. So this, so the people, the listeners yes. can know that um they don't know that um because they're probably wondering where's the first podcast of the next podcast of the twenty four and podcast. I know it was a good job to inform them. Yeah, it's gonna be soon. Um, we're going to get Hollywood Dave settled in his new job and saying goodbye to Ruby and his niece and his sister are in town. And as soon as they leave, we'll start preparing and we'll do the next 24-inch podcast. Woo! So very soon. Very soon. 
Woo! Ah! Mm, ah! Okay. <laughs> All right, so that's where we stand today. I got a couple questions for you about school. What's your teacher's name? Mrs. Lakata. And what grade are you in? First grade. And who's your best friend in the class? I have no friend yet. That's not true. Joking! Don't yell. Please don't yell. People are going to turn us off. People don't like their ears blown out. Sorry. Who are your friends in the class? What are their names? Amelia. Two boys, but I forgot their name. Jackson. Daddy, not my other cool friends. Okay. There's my new ones. Only two boys that I forgot their names. Okay. That's really all my friends that I have that are not from my other class. What about Jefferson? Oh, he was in the other class as well. So that's right. There's a little boy named Jefferson that's been in Paula's classes the last no. few years. And he, no. lo- he loves presidents. No, he doesn't. His name is Ryan. I don't know Ryan. And he's this. My dad had to joke about this because I like him so much that he doesn't want to hear his real name. Ryan. Never heard of a Ryan. Dad. What? You, you're not. Are you seriously putting this up with the listener today? Yeah. You shouldn't because this is a famous podcast. The podcast is famous? Yeah, duh. So what does that mean? The people that are on here one in football history are famous, one of the people. Right. So we're kind of going to be famous. How's the bus going so far? You enjoying the bus? People don't want to hear you drink. Drink after. Can you please answer my questions? I don't How's the bus so far? Bad. Why? Because, of course, my bus driver, my assigned seat, is not next to my Bradley, the neighbor. Mm-hmm. You got an assigned seat, and it's not next to the neighbor, so you're upset. And you're banging your microphone and drinking. Can I have a sip of your drink, please? Water, okay. though. You don't get it back until we're done. I told you not to do that. You're crazy today. You're crazy not on the podcast. All right. Sunday's the first Saints game. How are the Saints going to do this year? I don't know. I think they might be teensy-weensy uh, bad. You think they're going to be bad? Teensy. Why? Because they didn't make the Super Bowl. Duh. So 28 teams didn't make the Super Bowl. All those. The only way to be good is if you made the Super Bowl last year, so only the Rams and the Bengals would be good? No. I'm joking. How are the Bills going to do? They're- Zero good. <laughs> Zero good? They're Bills Day tomorrow, so of course I'm not going to repeat it. <clears throat> yeah, we don't do Bills Day, right? No, we do not. Screw the Bills. I booed and everyone was like, <laughs> no, not everybody, but my team was like, Paula, <laughs> don't do, come on. Did you tell her who your team is? I said this, I don't know, because I want to tell them tomorrow. Oh, okay. I might want, I might change my mind. All right, well, Paula's all hopped up on Mountain Dew or something. So in a second, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back with Joe Piznanski. Uh Then we're going to do the book club update. We'll be back no. with Fred Siegel after that. And uh, then we'll do one last thing, and I'll give you my NFL predictions going into the first week of the NFL season. And then in the next show, for one last thing, I will do a grab bag of some different things that come up, including I did a couple Pearl Jam shows this week. Uh, I turned 42. We got to talk about that. Bunch of different things. We'll do a grab bag one last thing next time. Yes. Also talk about my school. Yeah, we did talk about your school. The 
like my pre the like what about my principal? What about him? Like what's his name? That. You don't even know. Yes, I do. So then say it. Mr. Stexter. Okay, Mr. Stexter. That's probably not how you pronounce it, but close enough, right? No, it's actually how Max says. Mr. Stexter. All right, we'll be right back with Joe Piznanski. Our first guest today lives in Charlotte, and he is a graduate of the University of North Carolina, Charlotte. Uh, since he's been on episode six of this podcast back in 2011, he's worked for Sports Illustrated and NBC Sports and Sports on Earth, and he recently made a bet on himself going off on his own and creating the Joe Poznanski Substack. We're excited to have him today, get an update, see what's going on. A warm sportscaster's welcome. To Joe Poznanski. Hello, Mr. Poznanski. How are you doing today? I am well. How are you, Steve? I'm very well. It's good to uh, hear your voice. I think the last time you were on was when you were promoting the Baseball 100. Uh, that might be right. That might be right. What a book that was. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you. And people love that book, too, I feel like. I, I definitely would say that I've gotten more feedback from that book than uh, than any of my other books, which is uh, which is something, and so it's been it's been really special. It's been really special. The you know people have not only do they want to you know talk about the players and argue about them and whatever, right. uh, they want to tell me stories about how their you know their kid is is reading it and they're reading it together. You know, a chapter a night, and and you know how it's connected them with their with their father. I mean, it's it's really. It's really been special. It really has. Yeah, I think for me, the two things I loved about it, one is just the internal debate aspect of it. You know, the are, would these be my 100 guys, you know, would I move this guy up or this guy down, whatever. That part of it is always fun with any sports conversation, right? But then I think another thing I like about it is you can read any of the 100 player essays in any order you want. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if it, like if Ricky Henderson, like when I read – uh, Howard Bryant's Ricky Henderson book or something. I went back and read your Ricky Henderson chapter, you know, yep. or if I see a highlight, a Greg Maddox highlight or something, it's like, oh, let me read that chapter today. You know, I kind of like that aspect of it too, where they're, they're all sort of interchangeable essays. Yeah, I actually, uh, weirdly, I I was having a conversation with Theo Epstein uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he was in, in town to do something with the, uh, with the, you know, they had a uh, an exhibition sort of of all the new rules uh, in in a minor league game here in Charlotte, and and he was in town for that, and we were talking, and he said to me, nobody's read this book cover to cover, have they? It's right. like it's like, like nobody <laughs> nobody's picked it up and started on page one and and ended on you know page eight eighty or whatever it is, and and uh, I said I haven't heard of anybody. Maybe maybe there is somebody who's done that, but but it it really is meant to be like. Uh, yeah, just put it on your nightstand, open it up to whatever page you want, and then, you know, read about, uh, you know, if Archie Vaughn shows up, you read about Archie Vaughn. If Carlton Fisk shows up, you read about Carlton Fisk. If, uh, you know, Oscar Charleston shows up, you read about Oscar Charleston. So, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's it's a it's a really cool book, and, and, and I'm super proud of it. I, I'm stunned. I think we talked about this when we talked about the book itself. I'm stunned 
at the way that it's resonated with people, and I'm and I'm thrilled that it has. And uh, and you know, and I'm writing a new book that's sort of inspired uh, by the by the reaction, and it's going to be the hundred you know a countdown of the hundred greatest moments in baseball history. And, oh, and that'll I think be awesome. It's going to be, yeah. it's going to be a lot of fun. I you know it's been a a lot of fun already to be writing it and. And, uh, you know, I just think people are going to get a huge kick out of it. And that'll be awesome. Uh, one thing that we talked about when the book came out and that you've blogged about is the natural progression from this book was to do a football version. And I know you started to kind of approach it the same way. And you've written about some difficulties that you've found with trying to put the football version together. Why has football, you think, been so difficult for you? Yeah, I know. It's not that it's been difficult. It's just it's never felt quite like what it was supposed to be. At least not until the last two or three weeks. Actually, uh, you know, I started doing it for my my uh, newsletter at uh, you know Joe Blogs, which is JoePoznanski dot com, and and I thought I'm going to do it exactly the same way I did the baseball. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna count down the in this case the 101 greatest players. And I'm not going to talk about the rankings themselves. I'm going to talk about the players and tell their story. And, and you know, and, and that was – it worked so well with, with baseball. And I thought this is the perfect way to, to do a football one or a basketball one. You know, has, I have that on my mind or, you know, something else. And what I found was people are not – you know, football fans are just not as interested in sort of the history of the player or – or you know how they compare to other players uh, of their era. I mean, it's it's just a different sport and it's a different vibe. And and it really wasn't until you know, and I was doing it and I was doing it weekly, and it was just not you know, it was just not really resonating with people. I mean, people seemed to like it, you know, when I was doing it, but it, it wasn't it wasn't drawing anywhere near the interest or the or the uh, reaction response. I mean. You know, when you were do- when I was doing baseball, it was you know very common to get thousands of comments and 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 thoughts and 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 uh, you know people stopping me on on the street, you know, just literally to ask me who's right. next on the list, yeah. you know. And it wasn't that way with football. And and I mm. thought, well, you know, it's a different sport or whatever. But I think what it was was that I don't think you can write a football one hundred the same way you can do a baseball one hundred. I think. And, and so what football is to me is it's a much more emotional sport. It's driven by emotion. It's driven by fanhood. It's driven sure. by your team and, and driven by, you know, the games where you feel cheated. And, and you know, there's a little bit of that in baseball. I got one of those. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, but it's not really. You know, baseball, there's, it's, there's, it's 162 games, you know, and, and any one of those games you can sit back and enjoy it and, Look, if they lose, okay, you, you, you're not thrilled, but but there's tomorrow. But in football, you lose, it feels like you've lost a member of your family, right? I mean, especially mm-hmm. if it's those late Mondays. in the year. Yeah, those oh. Mondays after a loss are just death. The worst. Yeah. I, I can just so vividly remember. I mean, I felt this forever, but I can so vividly remember being in high school. And, you know, the Cleveland. I was a Cleveland Browns fan, and yep. and when the Browns lost, the whole week was ruined. I mean, ruined in a way that is not – you know, normal, you know, it was, it was, I mean, I'd be on Wednesdays or Thursdays. I already, I wasn't able to look ahead to the next game. I was still reliving the, the Browns loss. It was, it was that kind of pain. And I thought I need to be able to infuse this sort of 
feeling into this football 100. You know, it's like it's one thing to tell people the story of John Elway or whatever, but what I what I want to do is tell people how much I hate John Elway. John Elway is right. like literally my my <laughs> my least favorite human sure. being on earth, you know. And and so so I so that's what I started doing, and I I feel the whole project has sort of shifted. In my mind, and look, I don't know that it's going to resonate the way the baseball 100 did. I, I don't, I, I don't expect that. It's it's still a different sport, but I now know that I feel like I'm doing it the way it should be done, and that is to, to to write the football 101 the way that football is. You know, to sure. to really grab at the emotion and the and the and the feelings, and it, and they're shorter, you know, punchier. I I just think I just think that matches the sport better. Yeah, I think I agree that. To a long, to a big extent, the the appeal of baseball is just that it's with you every day for yeah. the summer, you know. And I, man, I, I'll tell you, I'll be honest, I've fallen in love with the MLB app. You can pay like twenty bucks for the year and get everyone's radio broadcast. Oh, it's great! And I love just listening to a ball game on the radio. I'd never really want to do that with football per se. No, you know what no. I mean. But baseball, it's it's got a relaxed feeling to it, and, and I think it lends itself really well to a stretch project like that too. And then I think on the flip side with football, I'm very much in love with the laundry of my team. You know, with yeah. the exception of Drew Brees, who transcended that and changed everything for me as a fan and made all my – I told him this on the uh, the Superdome field. I, I think he didn't hear me. But I, <laughs> uh, I said, you know, like you made all my dreams as a football fan come true, and I think that's true. But for the most part, I just love the laundry. You know, yeah. and I don't care if it's Marcus Colston or Mike Thomas or – Devery Henderson or Robert Meacham catching the balls. I'm just glad sure. someone's catching them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I just think we're we're very happy to sit down and hear the, the life story of uh, Tris Speaker, right? We're just, you know, like the guy played uh, you know, 100 years ago. And and yet, you know, you know the name. You're like, okay, wait a minute, who is that guy? And, right, right, right. And then, right. you you know, you hear his story, which is super interesting. You know, he was a member of the KKK, which is insane, and then and yet he was also the mentor for Larry Doby, the first African-American player in, in baseball. And that kind of thing really resonates with baseball fans, really resonates with fans. Right. And it's 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 relaxing and calm. You, you, your point about uh, games on the radio, you just want it in the background. You yeah. never... You never want football in the background. That's no. never like you're watching football. It's an active feeling, and mm. so so I think that's it. But I think that that there is a sense of you know, look. I think people still love to argue and count down the greatest players, and and so so how do you do it? And I think I think they might not want to read like the life story of Bob Lilly, uh, but they'd be like, who is Bob Lilly? What? How? Why was that guy good? Was that guy any good? You know? And you're right. like, you explain, you know that. That uh, you know, and he was the guy I wrote about today, which sort of has him on my mind. But but you know that after every game uh, that Bob Lilly pay, played, Tom Landry would send a film to the NFL offices marked um, you know holding calls they missed against Bob Lilly because every single game he was unblockable, <laughs> and so every game teams would be holding him and grabbing him, and you know, and, and, and they they didn't blow a whistle on every single play, so they he would send full films to the NFL office after every game uh, of just holding penalties that referees missed on, on uh, Bob Lilly. And so like stuff like that is awesome, you know, and, and it's not, it's not the, it's not the slow and comfortable and relaxing 
you know, telling of, of the story of George Brett or whatever it is, but it, it's, it's, it's still cool. And so that was, that was the challenge. And I think that's always a challenge as a writer, you know, trying to find, you know, not only to write what you're writing, but to, to have it match up with what, with what, you know, readers want, what readers expect, how, you know, you're comparing it to the sports, you know, I, I think that's, uh, it's a really important part of it. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. And I think the way we that the two sports perceive history is different too. You know, like the numbers and the stats are so sacred to baseball fans. You know, right. it's why right now with Aaron Judge doing what he's doing, there's a debate of when when will he actually break the record? What's the record? Right. You know what I mean? Where like if you look at the passing record, it changed two times in the last 10 years and – was kind nobody of a big cares. deal when Breeze did it, but really nobody cared at all when nobody Brady cares. did it. Nobody cares. You know, yeah. Well, so. and and you know, part of it is because football changes so much, right? So, right. like, you know, it, it, the, we, I was actually talking about this on on my podcast with Mike Shore the other day. There's a very good chance, like like a you know, I don't wouldn't want to put a percentage on it, but a double digit percentage chance that Matt Stafford is going to break all the records. That Matt Stafford is going to have the most passing yards in NFL history. You look at him, he's 34. He's already like 12th all time. Um, you know, he put up all of those numbers in Detroit that nobody cared about because the team wasn't any good. But he, he, there's a decent chance he's going to break Brady's passing record. You know, and of course, Brady broke Drew Brees' passing record. Drew Brees broke, you know, Dan Marino or whatever it is. So, mm-hmm. so you know. Nobody cares because Matt Stafford's not playing the same game that Dan Marino played, and Dan Marino was not playing the same game that that John Unitas was playing, or or John Unitas was probably not playing the same game that uh, that uh, you know the, the, that Sammy Ball was playing. I mean, it's it's they're just different sports. We can we can like contort ourselves to believe that Babe Ruth is playing the same game that Roger Maris played, and Roger Maris is playing the same game that Aaron Judge is playing. It's not. It's not the same game. But it's much closer to being the same game than, you know, than it is to look at, you know, Duke Slater as a, as a you know, 190-pound whatever tackle in the 1920s versus, you know, what, what you know, <laughs> what football is today. So, so I think that's a big part of it, you know, as far as people – plus – Generally speaking, yeah, but also the the numbers in baseball are better, too. Like, they count for more because passing yards, which, you know, we all give to the quarterback, I mean – Really, I mean, is they, I mean, sometimes those are just screen passes right. that the that right. the receiver you know breaks a seventy yard run on. You know, sometimes it's. Uh, I remember years and years and years ago, uh, there was a kid in 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 um, uh, the mountains of North Carolina, a quarterback putting up unbelievable numbers, like like he was throwing for like six hundred yards a game or something. And it was in a very very small town. He was he was like you know they were they were playing. Very, you know, one a very low level uh, high school, and but the but the newspaper was really interested because he's putting up these incredible yards. So they sent somebody out there, and and on the first play, they the guy drops back to throw and he throws a bomb and he had you know he had a great arm. He was he was it wasn't like he wasn't any good. But he had a great arm. He threw this long bomb and uh, the receiver dropped it like a sixty yard bomb, and they marked down a sixty yard pass, and the reporter was like. Wait, he dropped the ball, and the stats statistician was like, "That's not his fault," you know. So they were they were literally crediting him <laughs> for yards that when the receiver <laughs> dropped the ball. 
But that's how football stats are. So they're not individual in the same way in all. Like in baseball, if Aaron Judge hits 62 home runs, Aaron Judge hits 62 home runs. But in right. football, if, you know, if, if uh, uh, a running back, you know, if, if Nick Chubb runs for 1,500 yards, well, how many of those yards are because his offensive line was great? How many yards because, because uh, you know, the quarterback did a nice job, uh, you know, faking or, you know, or because the defense was on their back foot because they were expecting the pass. I mean, it's it's such a team sport that you can pull out the individual stats and they're fine and they're fun, but baseball stats are real. Like they're like, right. like there's a there's a it's it's just much more of an individual sport within within the team context that football is. Right. Good for fantasy football. Maybe not as good for yeah, super. Analysis. Yeah, and, no. and I think too, it's interesting. To maybe further prove your point. The NFL added a game, and nobody flipped out about well, what's going to happen with the record right. books. You know, right. whenever there's talk about changing 162, whatever way they talk about, it's like no, we can't do that because we have all these numbers that are based on 162 and all that. So I think that that's a good point too. It's a much. It's it's it really is funny. I I actually have thought quite a bit about this. So the all-time rushing record still belongs to Eric Dickerson. It's it, there's several uh, running backs who have come within a very you know quick uh, short right, amount for a season. For a season, yep. right? Twenty-one yep. eighty-nine, I think, sure. is the number. Nobody knows the number though. Nobody cares, right? Uh, because it's football. But I remember when he broke the record, um, there was talk because OJ Simpson had the record in two thousand three, but he he did it in fourteen games, right? But you know what? Nobody freaked out about it you know right. what i mean like like yep. they're putting asterisk on maris and and sure. and telling him his record doesn't count because of eight extra games and, you know in in 162 versus a 154 and in football they add two whole games right i mean it's like whatever 15 percent the season's longer and he breaks the record they're like yeah okay now you have the record you know they're not we're not going to put like a 14 and a 16 game record I mean, it, it, nobody cares enough for us to do that so yeah, the the stats are very very different in football. And Dickerson is oddly protective of that record. Like I remember when I think it was Jamal Lewis had a chance to break it, and the last game was on Sunday Night Football, and ESPN sent like a camera to his house, and he's like rooting against him all night. And oh it's yeah, really bizarre his relationship well, it's, with that it's, record. It's it's interesting. It's his, yeah. you know. And, right. and the longer, I wonder the longer if he's just being his. honest compared to maybe some athletes who are like, oh, records are made to be broken. Maybe they feel the same way deep down. I don't know. I think most of them don't want their records broken, right? right but yeah. but there are certain, like, I mean, you know, we, we all know about the 72 Dolphins, you know. Yeah, with the bo- champagne. champagne. Yeah, yep. champagne every time. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, uh, different people, different ways. But I think Eric Dickerson is very, very proud of that record. I mean, it is what he did. He never got to a Super Bowl. He never got to do some of the things that, right. that great players get to do. So that record is sort of, you know, that's it defines him in a lot of ways. And uh, and look, it's an incredible achievement. I don't blame him. I, yeah. If I had, I'd if probably, I'd be, rush I'd for probably be more like him. Yeah. 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 <laughs> if I'd run for that many yards, I don't want anybody breaking it either. And, man, Adrian Peterson was like an arm away from breaking that oh, yeah. on the last play of the season a few years ago. Remember his last carry? He, like, just got tripped up or he would have broke that. Yeah, oh yeah. Broken it. yeah really. He was super close. Jamal yeah. Lewis was was, yep. was uh super close. A couple of guys have, have have come very close. And and now that it's 17 games. Someone's going to get it tonight. But do they I, run enough? Right? Do they They don't the game, I don't yeah. I don't think they run one back enough. That's right. what it is. Yeah. I, I don't, you know, I mean Eric Dickerson is, you know, he had a great yards per carry, but he still carried the ball like what? 400 times that year. Nobody's going to ever do that again. Right. And Chubb is maybe a good example like probably talented enough to break it, but 
Hunt takes too many of his carries, maybe, or whatever. Oh, uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. We were talking about laundry earlier, and you had an interesting dilemma with your laundry, um, if that's the way to put it. Obviously, you've been a Browns fan for years and years. And during the offseason, I thought I might face the same dilemma you did because I know the Saints were kicking the can on Deshaun Watson a little bit as well. Yeah. He ended up being a Brown. And for you, you've just decided um, it's something you can't. You're just you're out. It's fair enough. Yeah. 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 It's, a, it's an interesting feeling. Yeah. Because it wasn't like I had some sort of like, oh, I will not stand for this. I am no longer a fan of the Browns. It wasn't like that. Right. And it wasn't like I want anybody else to stop being a Browns fan. Be a Browns fan. Do whatever you want. I mean, I I love Cleveland, and I love uh, you know my friends in Cleveland, and I would never tell anybody. I just found what they did so distasteful that I didn't care if they won anymore. Like, that's what it was. It wasn't like a an outrage, I hate the Browns. No, I, I it's not that. I just was like, this is, you know what, this is a line that I don't, they crossed it and I don't want to cross it with them. I don't have any interest in the Browns winning a Super Bowl by, by you know, manipulating the system in such a, 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 a an ugly way where you sign a guy before any judgment has even been passed on him. I mean, you know, legally he was cleared, but, you know, the, at the time the NFL was still, uh, was still investigating him. Nobody knew. They, of course, said they did their own investigation, which was which was nonsense. Gave him the richest contract in NFL history. Traded their entire future away. I mean, they traded like seventy-seven uh, draft picks right. to get him, right? And all that and, guaranteed money too. Yeah, and all that guaranteed money, yeah. and then and then backloaded it so that it wouldn't affect him because they knew a suspension was coming. Right, and you know, and look again, if that's what you want to do, if it's that important to you. That's fine. That's not what I want to do as a fan. Like that. So it wasn't a, it was, it was really an involuntary decision. It's very hard to explain to people. Like I didn't care about the Browns anymore. I just, I just didn't care. And, and it's, it happened. Look, the Browns have done plenty of lousy things through the years and they've been a, they've been an embarrassment on, on any number of levels for, for decades. So, it's not like there was like, oh, this is the straw. I never felt that way before. I just felt when they did that, I thought, okay, well, I don't care about them anymore. I'm going to need to find a new team because I because I don't want them to win. I don't care if they win. I don't care. If, I'm not I'm not rooting for them to lose, but I don't care if they win. And I, you can't have a team that's your team if you don't care if they win. Like that. Like that's where that's where you know the the emotion of it just goes away. And I, I said that at the time that they signed him, and I have not felt any anything else. I, I don't care. I, I just I just find myself not caring at all. And you know they 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 got rid of Baker Mayfield, who you know look he was he he was problematic as a player in some ways, but he was my daughter's favorite player, and 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 she she loves him. And he, she, they came to Carolina, where I live, and I'm like, oh, you know, I could follow him. I mean, sure. like, like I, I don't, I don't have any, you know. The problem is, is, of course, Carolina was was probably, you know, the runner up in the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. So, so it's not like it's not like I feel like they're on on higher ground or anything. So, but I, but it really wasn't. I, you know, it's hard to explain, Steve. It's not. I didn't. Like people thought, like I was angry, and I was not. I was sad. 
I was sad because I no longer cared about that team. I just like like I I dedicated my life to them, and then and then I sort of lost interest for a long time, um, and then I'm like, oh, I want to reignite my relationship with the Browns. And a few years ago, I started writing this Browns diary, right. to, sort of to find my childhood a little bit. Like, hey, I want to I want to care about this team again. And and you know, then they do this, and it's like I don't care about this team <laughs> at all. And so I'm actually having a fun thing that I'm doing on my on my newsletter where every week this year I'm going to try to root for a different team. That, and this now, is interesting to me. This is what's interesting the most to me because yeah. I wonder if you can pull it off. Like I remember right around Katrina, there was some talk that the Saints might move. Right. And I was always wondering, like, could I, will I be passionate about the San Antonio Saints? I don't know. I never lived in New Orleans, so maybe right? I'd be fine with it. I didn't know. You know what I mean? I don't because like you're explaining, it's a feeling that you almost can't explain. That's right. And I wasn't sure if that feeling would would move <laughs> with a good withstand a move. You know, right? Would I be disgusted with Tom Benson for ripping the team out of New Orleans after everything that had happened there? And luckily, it didn't happen. But I'm really interested to see how this works out for you because I wonder, like, can you find some of those emotions again with? the bills or the rams or whoever you know yeah. like i wonder is it possible I, I don't it's it's interesting to me though i'm excited to follow you with it uh, it's going to be fun it's going to be a real experiment and i the thing that i'm planning on doing is there's a, the, you know this is the way i write anyway but there's nothing fake about this if i don't feel it i don't feel it you know i'm gonna uh and i'm gonna bail. start yeah Right, and yeah. I'll tell, and I'll write about it. Yep. I'll write about, hey, you know what? This I, is stupid. I, Doesn't work. I, yeah, yeah. I tried <laughs> yeah. to, I tried to root for the Panthers, but you know what? I don't care about this team. They, right. they didn't do anything for me, you know. <laughs> and and look, I go in with some cool things. So so in week three, I'm actually going with my daughter uh, to Chicago, and a, a friend of ours, uh, who will I will not name until I write the piece, uh, has invited us to go to a, Bill, a Bears game with him. He's a big Bears fan. Okay, and. So we're gonna go, uh, you know, to Soldier Field and, and sit in the stands. Cool and, place, and, legendary, really stadium, cool place. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be my daughter's first ever NFL game. Good place to uh, do it. Yeah. So that's a great place to do it. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, she'll probably want to get some Bears gear, and and then maybe we'll be Bears fans. I mean, like you know, I, that's gonna they're, they're gonna have an advantage over some other people because I'm gonna be you know there at the stadium yep. and whatever. But, you know, my wife and daughter are huge Chiefs fans. Of course, I was in Kansas City for many years um, and, and, and have, you know, grown, had a real affinity for the Chiefs and, and, and love Patrick Mahomes, who doesn't. And so, yeah, so it, player. Yeah. It, could be, it could be the Chiefs. Uh, I love the idea of the Bills. I've always loved Buffalo and I've always loved the Bills. Um, you know, persona and and the fans are awesome. And, and so maybe it'll be the Bills. The Bills. But I, I want to. I want to give 17 different teams a try and, and maybe it'll be a little less. Maybe I'll, I'll, you know, try to, to come up with a couple of finalists and, and use those for the end of the year. I'm not sure how it's going to work yet. Um, and I, I just really want, I, to me, it's an exploration of what fanhood is and see if I can, if I can, you know, start to feel a little bit for another team. I've always felt that way for other players, you know, like there are certain players that I've always rooted for. And, and, you know, even, even as a Browns fan, I've rooted for for players on teams that I didn't necessarily like very much, and and so I'm I'm curious to see uh, if there's you know something there. If there's you know people have been have been pitching me on how I should become this team <laughs> fan, or, you know. I was just and, thinking that in my head. 
<laughs> yeah, and and that'll be fun. You know, it'll be fun if I go to a to a uh, uh, you know a Buffalo Wings uh, bar with a bunch of Bills fans and watch the Bills play. I mean that 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 would be pretty amazing. So um, so I I really am just I, you know to me it's it's wide open. The the cool thing for me is is week one. I'm going to do it with the Panthers. I'm here in Charlotte. I'm going to go watch the game and with they a couple play of Cleveland, friends. Right? They play Cleveland. And they yeah. play Cleveland with <laughs> with, with Baker, Baker Mayfield right, for the right, Panthers. Right, right, so right. so this is you know, and I've never I've lived in Carolina and Charlotte for 11 years now. I've never felt a single thing for that team. Not even a single thing. Even when they were the Super Bowl, I didn't care. Um, so, but I think they're their best chance is against the Browns with Baker Mayfield. So uh, so we'll see how it goes week one. Yeah, I was thinking to myself, like, oh, I wonder if I should try to persuade him to uh, be a Saints guy. Because, you know, there's only 17, 18 weeks or whatever. So you're not going to get to every team. Nope. Uh, but no, it- well, there are some teams <laughs> There are some teams that I will definitely not be fans of. Steelers. Right? Like, Steelers are I will definitely not be a Steelers fan. I will definitely not be a Cowboys sure. fan. I will definitely not be a Raiders fan. Um, you know, there, there are probably 10 teams that are immediately disqualified. Right. Although my, my podcast partner, Mike Shore has, has been pitching me on the Patriots. I have the Patriots as a, as a no go from the very start. Okay. Um, but he, he made a very compelling pitch on the podcast where he talked about how, uh, I should pick the Patriots because they're the most ethical team in the NFL. They are. I think he's joking. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, I, all right. Okay. I gotcha. I, right. I think he was joking. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Oh, they have the most understanding fans. I mean, it was very. Oh, okay. Was very, I, see, I see where he's going. That's funny. Very, That's funny. Actually, yeah. I have very to listen funny. To that. Pitch. Yeah. I have yeah. To listen very to that. That's funny. Pitch. That's really funny. Because, and I wonder, like, is there a most ethical team? You know what I mean? I think they all straddle no. the line here and there, right? No. I mean. No, yeah. there's not, and yeah. and that's that's another reason that this whole Browns thing that you know people are like, oh, the Browns are no worse than anybody else, and I'm like, they might not be. I'm not saying they are. I'm really not. I'm not right. saying the Browns are worse than anybody else. I'm saying they ruined what it for they, you. Yeah, what they did what they did here, you. they yeah. they ruined it for me. Yeah, yeah that's all. Yeah, and I re- I can you know what you know what almost happened to me is during the pandemic when the sports went away for a while, when they first came back, I felt really indifferent for some reason. Yeah, and I didn't know what it was, and I was counting on the Saints to kind of come back and kind of lead my charge. And it was actually wasn't until the Euros, and I'm an you know an Italian American, and uh, and they're kind of running the Euros, kind of reinvigorated me, and and it kind sure. of took that. But yeah, I I know that sometimes sometimes it's the intangible nature of sports that becomes very difficult. And it's almost frustrating, probably for someone like you, who likes to res- express themselves in writing, and me tries to express themselves with this microphone. When it is so intangible and hard to explain and hard to get what you're saying exactly right, so other people can understand, that can be uh, frustrating. But I'm really excited to uh, to follow this with you this year because I I'm really curious of the just experiments of it. Like, can you find a bond? I think it'll be easier for your daughter than you. Um, just I think it will be. Yeah, I, she doesn't I, have look, as I'm, much I'm gonna history. Just tell you, yeah, yeah. I'm just going to tell you right now that uh, you know it's going to be awfully tough. For, You're not for anybody. Yeah, yeah. No, it's going to be awfully tough for anybody to beat the Bears. I mean, oh, we're going, sure. Yeah, we're going to Chicago. Yep. She's going to watch the game. You know, unless unless there's a bad experience or something, which I would certainly hope there wouldn't be. 
Um, I cannot imagine how we would go to Chicago, watch the Bears game. She's going to want to buy a Bears shirt or Justin Fields is a cool player, too. Justin Fields is a cool player. Yeah, They're fun to watch. Defense. Yep. You know, if they win that day. and Mooney and, is know, cool, too. Mooney's like a really nice, fast yeah. receiver. Yeah, yeah. I, and. And, so and I'm feel, going man. to go with her team. Like, that's yeah, the okay. deal we yep. made, you know, like, is whatever, whatever her team. But I'm not going to stop with the Bears. Like, she might, she might just want to keep going with the Bears. But, but I'm, I'm, I'm taking this thing to the finish line. So we'll, we'll see, we'll see where we end up. The Sportscasters are here with Joe Piznanski. Was on episode six of this show. Was the sports writer of the year at the time. Didn't need to come on, but did kind of change the game for me. So I'm always appreciative of him with that. Of course, there's Joe Blogs, which I want to ask him one more question about in a second, and the podcast, and uh, all the great stuff he does. You got to check him out, and I'll let him plug it at the end, too. Uh, let me get you out of here on this, and let me ask you this, because obviously we've had this podcast host, podcast guest relationship for a number of years. I think that maybe more than any, I was really plugged in with you through the um, Paterno stuff. If you remember, we were really kind of I've had I had you a bunch of times when you're down there, and I think you really talked sure. a lot about it here, uh, which I was really proud of and, and grateful of, with your honesty and, and that whole thing, which just seems like a different lifetime ago. But um, you bet on yourself a year ago, and I read your blog about it. You know, one thing you have had uh, through our, the years is a lot of different jobs. You know, uh, there was um, NBC Sports, um, SI, of course, uh, Sports on Earth. Was that the name of that site? Sports on Earth, yeah, yeah. which I, I yep. like that site actually. Uh, it was yeah, it was great. Flashing the pan, kind of, but I liked it. Um, and all the different things you've done, and you decided recently that okay, Joe Blogs is going to be the thing. I'm going to focus on that. Substack is now here. Um, it's a more of a reality for me to be able to do this. Um, and I'm just curious about the journey with it so far in the first year, how you think it's gone, and what you're hoping to do in the second year to maybe build off of that. And just give me a little bit about that decision. And uh, you were like the Aaron Judge of sports writers last year, right? You, you, <laughs> you made the bet on yourself. And, uh, well, I think you've hit at least 60 homers. So I think it was a, a smart bet. But uh, what do you think about all that? I know I kind of rambled a bit. but No, no, not at all. Not at all. Yeah, I mean, so so to go you know, a little bit back, when I first started really having a little bit of success in this business, it was very clear what success was. You know, I was a columnist in Kansas City for the Kansas City Star for many years. Loved it. Love all the people there. I was the, my best friends still from that time in Kansas City. And and I, it was great. And all I ever had wanted to be was a columnist in a, in a major league sports town. Uh, and, and I got to do it. And I got to do it for a long time. And I got to do it uh, for a great, great newspaper. And, and that was... That was enough, you know. That the, you know that's where you, you you have this dream that you're gonna you're gonna stay at a newspaper for fifty years, and they're gonna name the press box after you, and you know you'll 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 have a, a life, you know. Sure. And and everything's changed, you know. Everything started changing, and and you know, look, I it, it it was changing for me pretty rapidly because Sports Illustrated called, and 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 you know, Sports Illustrated was is you know, the biggest dream any young sports writer uh, my age ever had uh, for them to call and, and offer me this incredible job at the back page and, and, and cover stories. I mean, it was, it was beyond, beyond any dream I could have ever had. So, no so that, 
you know, it was a no-brainer. Yeah. It was great. And then, you know, you go to Sports Illustrated and uh, and things start changing there. And suddenly Sports Illustrated isn't what it used to be, you know, and, and the Internet is really taking over. And so, so every step along the way, I've loved where I've been. I, there's not been a place that I've been where that I didn't love and that I wouldn't be able to, like, go to my old boss and my old editor and, and, and have a drink. Like, like I, I keep up with almost everybody well, pretty much. And not even almost, I keep up with everybody that I've ever worked with as far as, uh, as far as editors go. And, and I loved it, but you know, it just kind of the, 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 the business kept changing and kept changing and kept changing. And, and, you know, you're, you, you've got two kids and, and a wife and, and, you know, college is on the way and you, you, you just have to sort of stay nimble and, and go, you know, okay, well, where, you know, is this, is this viable for the next five years or do I need to, you know, think about something else? And, and so it's always been tricky along those lines. And a year ago, you know, I was in, I was very lucky. I was in a great position. The baseball hunter had just come out and, and or was coming out and I and I could already know it I already knew it was gonna be a success and 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 I you know was was beginning the process of writing my next book and the podcast was going great and and I just thought, you know, this is the time. Yep, now's this, the time. You know, mm-hmm. now's the time. What are you going to do for the next ten years of your life? You know, I mean I'm fifty five now. Let's say I you know work to sixty five. I don't know why I would ever stop, but let's say I work for ten years. What is those next ten years gonna be like? Do I wanna do I wanna be like bouncing around from place to place no do i want to uh you know work for somebody else and and not be able to really sort of be in charge of my own destiny no and i thought i'm i'm lucky i i can take this chance i can go ahead and bet on myself and and start my own newsletter substack people were amazing uh substack is a you know really incredible uh and that was just kind of taken off too it was good timing with that too i think it it really it really is and and you know and they they were they're just you know Hamish and Chris and 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 Dan and all those guys there are just great people and and they really they said you can do this man you can you can make this work and and I you know I thought to myself I, I wrote about this I'm I don't I have enough confidence in myself as a writer to believe it but I don't have any confidence in myself as a business person sure and I and feel starting that. your I feel that right yeah. and, and start and starting your own newsletter. It's a business, you know. I mean, it's a business. Nobody's nobody's assigning you, so that's easy on the creative side. But also, nobody's promoting you. Nobody's mm-hmm. pushing your stuff, you know. Nobody's nobody. You have no no circulation department trying to get new subscribers. You know, you've got to do all of it yourself. And and I was worried about that. That was the one thing I was worried about. It's like, Dad, do I have the business sense to to make this work? I really don't feel like I do. Um, but I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go for it because I'm in a great position to do it. You know, it's like if it fails, I'll be fine. It's not, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm I, I can bet on myself now because I, I'm in a in a great place, and it it's been wonderful. I, I've done it for a year now. Today that I'm talking to you right now is actually my exact one year anniversary. Oh, well, of, when I, of when I started. Thank yeah. you. And it has, you know, I wrote down some numbers, you know, I, I went to a friend of mine is a big, you know, business guy. And he, he sort of said, okay, you need to do projections, you need to do this, this. And I'm like, I don't know how to do any of that. But I did projections and, and said, okay, if I get to here, I'll be fine. If I get to here, I'll be a little better than fine. And I absolutely, the first year has blown away all of my projections. Wow. Uh, people have been wonderful. 
Uh, you know, people have subscribed at a, a an absurd you know rate, uh, which has been amazing. And and you know, and it's been it's been incredible fun. You know, I mean, I the the one thing I could promise people who want to subscribe, it's just at JoePosnansky.com. You're you're not gonna. You'll get enough stuff. You yeah, know what I mean. You like, won't be cheated. No, <laughs> you chance. won't. You will yeah, not. The price per get... word value there is off the charts yeah, for sure. I, yeah. I I honestly thought <laughs> at one point. I honestly thought about you know you know more more dollars per word than any newsletter in the business. You know, because yep. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna get a lot of words and hopefully a lot of really good words. And and you know the great thing about this is, of course, I've been able to talk to a lot of the people who have who have subscribed and 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 gotten their feedback and and what they say and this is really humbling but it's but it's important for me is they go this is the best money i've spent because you give me two minutes of joy three minutes of joy yeah, the five value. minutes of joy the value's under yeah, yeah just it's just it, you make me happy it makes me happy i get an email you know you get the email I get an email, you've written about Shohei Otani, or if you've written about, you know, your daughter, or you've written about whoever, and it just brings a little little light into my day. And honestly, that's that feels great for people to say that, but it also gives me such confidence that this is working. You know, that this is because that's the whole point. The whole point of this is that we live in this very um you know, convoluted, troubled time, and and there's so much anger out there, and there's so much division out there, and I don't get into any of that. Nope. All I get into is 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 telling stories and 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 you know, hopefully starting conversations, and and if we're fighting, we're fighting over something stupid, stupid and funny and fun, like you know, who is the best, uh, you know, who should win the MVP this year. Sure. So and it's so judged, I, by the I, way. It's judged. No, but, yeah. I, I, as I wrote, I yeah. agree with that. I, <laughs> yeah. I think it is judged. So, yeah. So that has been – so it's been great. It's been great. And, you know, the next year is going to be even better, you know, from my end because I've got my new book coming out, you know, the, the Why We Love Baseball. Can't which wait. Which will be the 100 – which is going to be wonderful. It's going to mm-hmm. come out next year. So on, on you know, people who subscribe are going to get um, – all sorts of previews, all sorts of cool things that didn't get into the book, like a director's cut. So that's going to be super fun. Uh, you know, playoffs are coming up. Hall of Fame is coming up. This is going to be an amazing and wild Hall of Fame season because of, uh, you know, some of the guys that are off the ballot and some of the guys that are coming on the ballot. So um, so this is uh, this is a great time. And, I, and I, again, I feel incredibly lucky and incredibly grateful to people. Um, you know, but to me, it's like... Let's keep going forward. Why not, right? Well, I remember when Howard Stern moved to Sirius, and that was in 2006. And I remember thinking, am I going to really pay for radio? And I was like, you know what? I guess I am. And I signed up. But now we sign up and have so many subscriptions, right? So I try like every quarter or every half a year to like look at everything I'm subscribed to and say, do I want this still? Am I getting the money's worth for Paramount Plus or whatever? But I know whenever I come to you, I'm like, oh God, no brainer. Next, you know what I mean? Like, it's really, it's really been great. But um, the uh, he said JoePizdanski.com. You go JoePizdanski.stubstack.com. They'll get you there as well. Jpizdanski yep. on Twitter uh, yep. is where you can find a link if you need it or um, some some more content. There is also the podcast, of course, which you can find. And Joe, I want to mention this real quick. Now, people who have podcasts probably know that when you're booking guests you gotta sometimes you go right to the person sometimes it's a pr guy sometimes it's an assistant whatever 
I'm here to say that no one in the 12 years of me doing 11 years has been kinder, more efficient, nicer than your assistant Jennifer is the class of the class. And I know she's had some health challenges. I don't want to go further than that. That's her story to tell, obviously. Uh, she was kind enough to share it with me. We shared our we shared our both of our challenges with each other. She's amazing. I know she's doing great. I'm glad for her. And I just wanted to give her a real public shout out to say like she's just the best of the best. I'm glad you did that. Yeah, Jennifer yeah. Davis is my she's been my assistant. Aces. Well, we, we used to work together, you know, in at the Kansas City Star. And uh, then she just said, Hey, I'm you know, love to help you out. And so she's been my assistant, gosh, for 15 years at least. Uh, they don't they, they don't just they just don't come any better than, oh my than, God. Uh, the best. than Jennifer. She's yep. she's awesome, and she has had some health issues uh, that uh, uh, you know some real very very serious health major issues. league stuff. Yep. Yeah, the yep. biggest stuff you can imagine. But uh, but she's pulled through, and and uh, she's doing great. And. Uh, thank you for mentioning her because she, no, uh, she, she, she's the real star. She's yeah. the real star of this whole thing. Yeah, she was overdue for that. I, there's no way I would have had you on as many times as I had over the years without her. You know what I mean? She's, I think just to help. Yes. And I you know, I like to think she advocates, hey, maybe you should, you know, this, this guy. Oh, no you question. Know, you know, I think she's no great. So I, I wanted to give that to her. Anything else you want to plug or mention or do you want to go over it one more time, be more specific than I was or? Please do. No, no. Yeah. This is this is great. I would love for people to come over to JoePosansky.com. It's free. I mean, there is a yep. there is a paid there is a paid uh, part of it that I would, of course, if you want to do that, would love to have you. There's there's more content, but there's plenty of free content, plenty of free stuff. Uh, so all you got to do is come and sign up and and put your email. That's literally it. And uh, and the content will come to you in your email, or you can you can uh, uh, you don't have to. You can also just go to the site. Uh, but it would be great if you signed up and and uh, yeah, the podcast is as fun as ever. Mike Shore uh, and I just uh, talk about nonsense, which is uh, which is which is wonderful, and uh, it's a good time. It's a, it's really a good time for me. Well, this was a really good time. Thank you for providing as much of it as you did. I know it's a busy time of year. Have fun in Chicago. I think that's going to be a hit. I mean, what I a, think it might be a hit. Yeah, too. I think it is. I mean, what a place to. See your first game. So best to your daughter. I'll be thinking about her. Week three, you said, right? Week three. Okay. Week I'll three. Keep that in mind. So I keep an eye on that game. See what see awesome. what you guys get. Thank you so much, Joe. I appreciate you. Absolutely. Thank you. Could've used a few pounds Tight pants, points Hollering out She was a black hat beauty With big dark eyes And points all her own Sitting way up high I want to thank Joe Piznanski For being on the podcast today Check out his work Podcast. JoePiznanski.substack.com. All right, quick book club update today. We're going to kind of close out the summer books, and then we have an announcement of our first book of the fall. Uh, over the summer, of course, we did Aaron Schatz, Football Outsiders, the Football Almanac. If you haven't read that yet, you're probably past the window as the season's going to get going, but it doesn't mean that some of the content in there 
isn't good all year, and it doesn't mean that subscribing to Football Outsiders for their content all year wouldn't be a bad idea. On the last episode, Brian Gewertz was on the show. Uh, there's just one problem. True tales from the former one-time seventh most powerful person in the WWE. Really enjoyed the time with Brian. He's going to be on again sometime in the fall to talk about the second season of The Young Rock and also talk about his new show that he's producing as part of Rock's production company uh, called Tales of the Territories. So we'll talk to him about that. In a second, we're going to take a break, and we're going to bring in the author of Freezing Cold Takes NFL Football Media's Most Inaccurate Predictions and the Fascinating Stories Behind Them, Fred Siegel. I thought it was appropriate to have him on today because then after that, for one last thing, I'll make my inaccurate predictions that will surely be Freezing Cold Takes soon. So we'll talk to Fred in a minute. Uh, With all that said, we have our first book for the fall. Um, It's called Long Road. Pearl Jam and the Soundtrack of a Generation uh, by Stephen Hyden. Uh, Stephen's going to join us to talk about uh, his book uh, in the fall as well. I think it comes out September 25th, and around then, Stephen will join us to talk about this book. It's a bunch of different essays about Pearl Jam based on songs. He kind of uses songs as a jumping-off point uh, to talk about the band's legacy uh, and their story. I just kind of started reading it. I'm going to get into it now, finish it. I went to Pearl Jam last night in Hamilton. I'm going to Pearl Jam again tomorrow in Toronto. Last night was a fantastic show. My 85th Pearl Jam show. Uh, so I'm excited to talk to Stephen Hyden about his book, Long Road, uh, Pearl Jam, and the soundtrack of a generation. Certainly been the soundtrack of my life. Okay, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Fred Siegel. From Freezing Cold Takes. Our next guest today is a graduate of the University of Florida. From there, he went on to law school and he spends his time in South Florida as a successful attorney. But he's not on for that. He also runs the very popular Freezing Cold Takes on Twitter, and after being criticized for lacking context, he provided plenty in a brand new book about NFL's Freezing Cold Takes, and he's making his second appearance on the show today. A warm sportscaster's welcome to Fred Siegel. What's going on, Fred? How are you doing today? Great. Freezing Cold Takes, NFL football media's most inaccurate predictions and the fascinating stories behind them. So the fascinating story behind our relationship is this podcast was one of the very first interviews you did in 2015 when you started this Twitter account. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I remember it was a long, long time ago. Yeah, well, a lot could change since then, uh, especially talking about you know my feed. It's just different now. The way the way we discuss, the way I discuss it, as opposed to then. I, I wasn't really uh, used to doing stuff like that. I think you were maybe still not even really Fred, right? Like, I think you were still kind of dipping your toes in the water of, like, whether or not you wanted to be out there. Yeah. Or if you wanted to kind of stay 
anonymous or if i recall that correctly you kind of had that period right where you kind of oh yeah i think at that time yeah yeah i didn't know what i was gonna do without that but i figured i had to eventually i think i I just i think we called also working 10 hours a day right time so yeah i think we called you the man behind freezing cold takes yeah yeah um you know what's really interesting to me about the evolution of the feed is that in the beginning you kind of joke around with people about it and this is what I mean. Like, let's say, like, someone sends a tweet out and it's wrong, maybe mildly wrong. It's in the moment during a game or something. It's something that's no big deal. And just like as a joke, you say, oh, that really turned out right. And you tag the feed in there, kind of like you just want to kind of pull, you're like, hey, man, I, well, people yeah. get real upset to be tagged, it seems like now. Like, it's become yeah. defensive. You know, people get defensive about being. Having their takes being considered, yeah. Have you well, noticed they, that? They, well, they they hate it, they hate it a lot more from the beginning. Like at, when when they post something, when anyone posts something, and then it, fifty people tag me. Like if they're a media guy, they they hate that. They hate it. Like sometimes because because well, I do get tagged to a lot of things that like I would never use on the feed, and sometimes people tag me to things just to say like as like a ceremonial. Uh, act to show that they don't they think they think it was a dumb take right like you stay away from politics you stay away from reviews right for the most part yeah yeah reviews rankings I don't like rankings very much okay it changed too much I I just don't think beginning of the year rankings are meant to change right like the the college football preseason top 25 is oh yeah these these aren't predictions they're just like they're like rankings. Like they're like what, what, where you're at, where you're perceived at the beginning of the year. Sure, it's not a freezing cold take to say at the All Star break the Yankees were the best team in Major League Baseball, just because after the All Star break they're not right. Like if you had ranked them right. number one, they were the best team at the time. It wasn't right. a, an indicator of the future, is what you're saying. Right, because you just why not say that they're going to win the World Series? Sure. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. So, rankings, politics, which I think was smart to leave out because it's just too polarizing. Can't have any fun with that. Um, reviews. Uh, you know, I, I've often had writers on here, sports writers, that have a book out and it started as like a column or whatever. And it's, it's, it morphed into this big book. Uh, SL Price, who's on this podcast as well this week, uh, wrote a, a column in sports illustrated about football and Aliquippa, Pennsylvania, it became this big book. And I asked him, when did you know it was a book? You know, what made you think this? Well, it's, I get to ask about a Twitter feed. When did you kind of decide, you know what? I think I can make a book out of this idea here on Twitter. You know, how did that kind of evolve? How did it go from that to a book? I, I just think that I, I used to get a lot of comments about how there's no context to what I was posting. And the right. reason why someone said something, um, may have been rational at the time and may not cause someone to look as stupid as they are uh, by showing it a long time before, and especially things that predated the internet or, or predated social media. Um, so I, you know, I figured I could write stories about them. It was like two or three years ago. I want to do something in longer form, just longer form, just talk about things in longer form and not do something like, and not just post old posts all the time. Just like, uh, you know, make stories out of them or like write stories about them. You know, what was going on? 
sometimes I feel bad for and feel bad and you know what I mean. I don't really feel yeah. bad per se. But sometimes I do feel like I want to stick up a little bit for the sports radio guys because they have this unenviable task of like filling five or six hours a day, five days a week and just loading that show with opinions. You know what I mean? Like someone like Mike Francesa who was on the feed so much, I think he cut it off maybe or limited it. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like when Russo left, it became his show in New York, the biggest spotlight, number one show in every ratings book, except the very last one he did. Um, you know, and he's every day, you know, two to six opinion, 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 opinion. It's like, you're gonna, it's impossible to go hundred percent. Right. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, do the radio guys get all that, but the radio guys also, um, you know, that's why they're on to do all that. And they, they do, they, they lean into, I mean, I think most of them lean into that. They lean into some of these things that they say being they're, 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 they have to have a balance of, you know, being genuine and then also being interesting at the same time. And the balance doesn't always you always have to you always it's a balance that you always have to tip uh, sometimes towards interesting or else your show's not going to be interesting because it's not sports talk every day isn't interesting from uh, like generally speaking. You have to make it that way. Right, like the Watergate or the uh, the Ballgate suspension or whatever doesn't come down every Monday, right? I mean, there's not always right, 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 right. Something super right. So you have to say you have to you you can't just talk about um, just what's going on in just in in a regular way, like because because if you do, then it's going to be boring. So you have to find the you find the hot, hottest topics and you got to make something out of them. And to make something out of them, you have to say things in a way that's. It's going to uh, you know, draw people to want to go see listen to what you're saying, and that's not always being exactly how you think. It could be like a hyperbolized version of how you think, or a made for entertainment, like like a made for TV, a made for movie type thing, like based on a true story. Right, right, right. You know, right. Like, like, yeah. like, like you put you have the true story, like the movies. The movie's the true story, like based on a true story, but you have to make it so it's a a watch something that's watchable. It's like the Showtime it's, Lakers show, right? With uh, yeah, most stuff, Jerry West. Most yeah. stuff is boring. Yeah, I mean, like if you think about it, the way most stories are boring. Most explanations are generally not so entertaining. You talk to you talk to your wife about something. You talk to your kids. Like it's not like if something happened that day. You're not trying to tell like the most interesting story. You're being truthful. But that type of stuff is not most of the times not very entertaining to the point where you're going to be able to keep people to listen to you for three hours or watch your movie or, you know? So, yeah. And I think you using the word genuine is such an interesting thing too, because I think that what I loved about the Mike and the mad dog show is I felt like when they disagreed, I felt like they were actually disagreeing that it was genuine. The reason I loved Howard Stern for so many years and don't, love his current show now is because I feel like he was genuine then. I don't think he's genuine anymore. There's no authenticity to the show anymore like I think there was. And the reason I hate the debate shows, the sports debate shows, is because I know for sure that isn't genuine. You know, I know for sure that it's produced for me to feel this way and you to feel this way. You know, Skip Bayless is going to decide to feel this way and you're going to decide to feel this way and then let's troll, right? I think that (laughs) and there's just no soul to that. There's no... 
It doesn't interest me at all. I don't know what you think of that. I think well, I, I just don't think that sport. I, I think sports original content. I mean, it's it, it's just beyond difficult to come up with something to do all day on sports original content shows. I mean, back in the day, it was highlights, and you hadn't seen highlights. You hadn't seen the games. That's what the that's what it ran on, and you hadn't had people a bill a. Tons of people posting live news all the time about the NFL. NFL Live or NFL Tonight was actually first time learning a lot of the stuff. So that's like now it's that's all gone by the wayside. So what else are you going to do on sports original content? I mean, it's it's almost like impossible. Uh, What else can you possibly do? Uh, You might as well just get rid of all that crap. I mean, I don't even know what else to do. Show show old games. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so when we woke up as kids and Sports Center was on a loop, that was that the was first the first time we saw those scores or those highlights, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, it was a big deal. Now they don't have that. Like, well, uh, maybe the Midnight Sports Center goes over the games, leans on the game like a big game, and then talks to the players from the game, and that's it. Right, Van Pelt has got the the one spot where you can really enjoy, one, but it's still yeah. it's still not even close to what it was. Absolutely not. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like prime time, I I've been a New Orleans Saints fan since I was seven years old. I live in Buffalo. When I would watch Chris Berman and Jackson and prime time, that'd be the first time I would see those highlights. You yeah. know, the first eight years or so of my Saints fandom was the ten minute ticker. Getting every ten minutes, right. I knew what was going on in the Saints game. You know what I mean? I exactly. would wait for the ten minute ticker to come up. So it was a much yeah, different landscape. So it's nothing. What what can he possibly do? I I think the, the original. I mean, I think Francesa is real. I mean, like I, I think everything he says is genuine. So do I. Yeah. Um, to a point, and he's arrogant about it. <laughs> towards the end, towards the end of that. I mean, even though he, he, he was grandfathered into having like great ratings because he, he, he was Francesca, but his show was significantly more boring um, because he was he just wasn't, uh, you know, like his his being himself uh, still didn't compare to like these other people in terms of like audience wise. Like it's, it sounded a lot more boring than these other shows that were just, uh, you know, leaning into like is Francesco is like announcing golf scores or, um, uh, you know, he, he was a lot more boring than he used to be because it just, uh, it, back then it was cool, but now you have to do more. You have to think about things more. It didn't seem like he really planned out his show. And I think what hurt him towards the end. And I think the Funhouse account really tapped into this was he was never willing to have any fun with himself or right. admit his mistakes. You know what I mean? He, right. And I think it turned people off, you know, and like I know at times when he would ban the Funhouse, they you know, wouldn't let him use the videos. The, the argument was, oh, it's good publicity for sure. I don't think it was in his case. You know what I mean? I think right. it turned a lot of people against him because he just wasn't capable of having any fun with himself. You know what I mean? Or I don't know if it was his ego or his personality or what, but I think it really hurt him at the end. You know, what? I also think. I also think it showed a lot. I, 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 I think it, it it exposed how unprepared he was every single day. I mean, and I, he didn't watch any of the teams like who was playing. He, he it didn't seem like he even prepared his show. Right. He so only watches like, college basketball in March, and he wants you to think yeah, that he yeah. knows that who's going to win the Florida State right. whoever round three game. You know. <laughs> 
Yeah. 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 So it's like it, it just. I mean, I think it just kind of exposed that fact that, like, well, well, we got guys like Cowherd, I'm sure, who's up like at 4 a.m. preparing every possible analogy you're going to use. Um, Francesca probably didn't even probably just walks in and does the show because he because he because he was used to that because he's because he uh, is so used to being good no matter what right he's number one right number yeah, one number yeah. one right. <laughs> exactly uh, yeah. the book again it's called freezing cold takes NFL football media's most inaccurate predictions and the fascinating stories behind them there's many more obviously that aren't in the book. What made you zone in on one you love? Like, what made you say, okay, the Browns quarterback thing is definitely good for the book or the Ravens 96 draft? Whereas, like, I thought for sure when I got the book that there was going to be, you know, a lot of, there was going to be a Drew Brees part, you know, where when he was a free agent and the Dolphins went with Culpepper and people didn't believe in his shoulder and Drew Brees, you know, that kind of thing. It didn't exist in there. It's just forget that example per se, but how did you decide on one over the other? What was it about these ones that interest you the most? Well, I mean, there weren't that many hot. T- uh, I I wanted to do something. I've always wanted to do something on Drew Brees, even on my feet or everything. But there just weren't many hot takes about it at all. I'm surprised. Yeah, yeah, just just, just not that many hot takes at all about it. I mean, I think I think uh, there were hot takes like Culpepper was good signing, right? But nothing like. Nothing anti-Breeze. Not a lot of anti-Breeze stuff. The I Saints were so desperate for a QB. The more, like, majority, yeah. majority, strong majority liked the Drew Breeze signing for the Saints. Yeah. The only thing you could really get out of that is the Dolphins Culpepper thing. Sure. Which wasn't really as interesting. Makes sense. Like to, to pick a chapter on. But I could say, uh, um, yeah, I mean, the, you have to take some of the most interesting stories and you have to take the ones with the most amount of hot takes or... or the strongest ones that will be very interesting to write about. And, and especially like historical teams, like the Cowboys in 89, 92, that's a no brainer. Right. People loving the Herschel Walker trade, right? Yeah. yeah. Montana, Montana and uh, Steve Young. And, and um, you know, those were no brainers like the Packers from back in the day with uh, Brett Favre and, and Reggie White and Mike Holmgren. And, you know, the, those are interesting teams, historical teams. And, and it's fun with the quarterback situation with the Browns. I was doing a chapter on preseason and those are really hard to find like retrospect, like, like mm-hmm. to go back and try to find a guy who was doing well, who had a great preseason to start and everybody was running after him and just validating all their concerns back then without having followed it back then, thought about it too much. It was hard. So you take what you can get. And I remember the Browns quarterback thing was one of them. So I just added that in, but that was part of a whole chapter of things. And then um, the rest is like the Patriots are a great team to use. And I couldn't even use all my Patriots stuff. I only went from the Belichick hire to up to from, oh, 2000, yeah. from, from 2000 to 2005. Then I cut it off. I mean, I had 10,000 words on the rest of it and I didn't use it because it just would have been a whole Patriots book. So, yeah, there's some um, really, really fun stuff in here to relive for, uh, a great one I tried to do was Jim Kelly. When Jim Kelly was signed for a million dollars out of a gazillion dollars out of uh, USFL to play for Buffalo, where he didn't want to play. Right. And he's still course. here, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, 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 he didn't want to play there. Yeah. He didn't want to play there at all because he, he was, he, 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 but he was drafted by the Bills. So he had to go there. Yep. Um, and, and when he first started, I mean, the team was really bad. And the, the coach they didn't like. And, um, 
So uh, for like two or three games, he didn't play well to start. And there was maybe a little buzz about like, why did we, uh, so we paid so much for this guy. He's not even going to help us turn it around. Not that good or whatever. And it was only like, it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. Cause he started playing pretty well after that. And things were starting to look up ever since that part point. So, so I couldn't, I didn't get enough there. I wanted to, but I didn't get enough. Yeah. That's a great thing around Buffalo. We always talk about he, 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 he didn't want to come here so badly that he went to Houston Gamblers. But now yeah. here we are 40 years later. He still lives oh, yeah, here. He His family's it. here. He loves yeah, it here. Nobody loves it. Yeah. Nobody loves the city, the NFL city more than him. Yeah, we changed his mind, I guess. Changed him around. Yeah. And Kay Stevenson, lucky, was uh, thrown to the curb for Marv Levy, which I guess for Bills fans was a, was a huge yeah, 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 a huge move in the right direction. Who Who's gotten the most mad at you over the years? Is there a writer who's really come to you and be like, man, you're killing me. Give me uh, a break. You know, leave me alone. Like Peter King gets beat up a little bit in this book. Is he bit? But I feel like he would probably be the kind of guy who would get the joke or be all right with it. But has there been a guy who's been coming at you? Peter King probably uh, would would get would understand that it's a joke and not yeah. get too upset. But he does he definitely wouldn't like it. Um, I think uh, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, a lot of guys like Tim Kawakami of the South San Francisco. Area he blocks anyone who tags me, um, yeah, <laughs> oh and blocks God. me. Uh, um, there's a few guys like that. One, the fantasy football guy, I forgot his name. Um, Heyman hates me, hates me. John Heyman. Okay, yeah, baseball. Yeah, 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 he doesn't like me because I. Uh, well, I, I also used to write like cold take, freezing cold takes first. You know, I write, write like a post like is is Clayton for Shaw. Take that Billingsley's overtaking him in 2010, and uh, <laughs> yeah, nope. <laughs> and then I'm uh, posting like cold take by Heyman, hey, uh, freezing cold takes first because you know how he writes the he'll write he'll break a story in like the, the least amount of words possible, and he'll sure. say Rosenthal first. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> he doesn't like it. Though. He doesn't like it. Yeah, I love Ryan Howard too. Like five years for 125 million. Yeah, that contract was a banger. Yeah, yeah, he loved that. Um, uh, do is do you think the argument from them is that it hurts their livelihood? That somehow being on this list or, or being getting too much attention from this account, it might look badly. Their bosses might think, "Ah, oh, this guy, he doesn't know what he's doing." Is, is that what you think they're afraid no. of, or it's just totally no, ego? No, that's the worst argument ever. Yeah, it's just uh, ego, right? Bosses, because if you don't get on my feed. Then you're 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 probably boring as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> you can swear, God, yeah, it's all good. Yeah, they didn't yeah. want that. Yeah. What Fox? I mean, Cowherd's on my feet a lot, and he gets tagged me so much because because he has the biggest catalog out there on Twitter because his whole entire network is posting every single every single take he has the second he says it. They lean into it. They want it. Yeah. And if he wasn't posting, if he wasn't saying stuff like that, he wouldn't have a show. So that's the complete opposite. The, 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 the newspapers don't care or the, the they want it because that it, it's all an ego thing. It's all like uh, just taking yourself too seriously type thing. Like, oh, well, we do a lot of important work We do a lot of, and we work hard and we cultivated so many sources over the years and do all this stuff. And then all of them I'm boiled down to one thing. Like one take. Um, and it's essentially the same thing that a lot of these guys do at practice or whatever. 
Like when they go to practice and they film one play where a guy got burned. And it's <laughs> yeah. Or they or they, they 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 hone in on one play during a game, right? And make it out like a big deal, like without the whole body of work. Everything's at like one moment now. Everything's boiled down to one moment or one thing or one fact. Sure, sure. That I was chapter five in the book is about the Ryan Leaf and the Peyton Manning draft and people who love the Leaf pick or thought that the Colts had screwed it up. And I was I was thinking about if I was one of the writers, I might say to you, and I, I wonder what you think about this: is like, hey, these NFL teams, they spend millions of dollars, they have whole staffs, they work so hard for so many months to get these picks right, and the hit rate is fifty percent if they're lucky. Why why should I be held to a higher standard as a sports writer? Like I'm I'm doing well, my best, they, but well, I, they, I don't have the information they do. They're held to a higher standard, the teams, because they'll get fired. Or their team's going to stink. So the sports writers held to no standard. The sports, <laughs> writer, the sports writer doesn't matter. Nothing happens to them. So, like, uh, they'll still continue. And they are encouraged to continue doing, making takes about the drafts. So the, you know, the, the, whole, the livelihood argument works for the teams, but not the, the sports writers. Not for the writers. Um, but, but also, sports writers also are, are saying things um, a lot of times that are are really like bold and uh, they say things in a way like the team really kind of tells you that this is what they believe by picking the player as opposed to like the sports player saying oh this guy's way ahead and above about beyond better player uh, so I, they, they spend a living criticizing people now they, it'd be genuine criticism but like if you're criticizing people that also hurts the people like not like i mean it, 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 people read that the fa families read it whatever you know it's like um and the players are expected to take it off their chin you sure. know yep so uh, well i mean i just think that sometimes sports writers think that they're so like they're so um they want people to understand how much value they bring very and, important well, uh, uh 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 one posting one cold take diminishes it sure. they believe that they believe that and when in essence um, fans are going to hate them no matter what uh of rival teams and and they're going to get overly sensitive about anything they write and and it's just you're automatically going to be like that if you have if you're a sports writer with it, any opinions well the book has been really fun and there's been a lot of interest you've been on a lot of podcasts a lot of shows done a lot of cool things promoting it has there been a holy shit moment is there a Besides this show, of course, but has there been one that you've been really excited to be on or someone you've been excited to talk to? Well, I always like when people from like my past, like I, my favorite things is never like like popular people now, like athletes or whatever. It's like when people from the, like the old shows I used to watch growing up. Or, right, like maybe the Dan Patrick like, show. Yeah, yeah like a 90210 guy. <laughs> um, Mel Silver from 90210 has a radio oh, show. Oh, Mel. Somehow. It's a very. It was very strange because, um, like, if you feel like he's a New York G Jewish guy from New York, and he was an actor for a long time, I think he was on Saturday Night Live for a little bit, and like, um, he uh, he just has a show in Kentucky and he just loves my feed. He like called me and asked me to be on the show, and it was like, these are people from like you knew it all the time growing up. Like they're in your TV 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 now is different than it was then. And there is, 
there's so many shows now and you watch them all at once or something, you know, there used to be 22 shows a year and right. coming to your screen. They were the biggest guys in your life. They're the biggest people in your life on outside of like the real people in your life. The people who come up on your screen every day, um, every, every week, uh, for like 10 years, 22 shows a year, you know? Well, um, Matthew Lawrence was, is, yeah, Matthew yeah, Lawrence. Yeah. yeah. Well, I got yeah, yeah, Go it. Yeah. He was in, yeah, he had a sitcom, but he was one of the first sitcoms on Fox. When Fox first started. Right. When we only knew the Simpsons, really. It was like, the only it was just before cops. that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like it got no, it got no ratings, but it got good. It got good reviews, but no ratings because nobody cared about Fox. Um, it was like getting a show on Roku now. You know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's great. It was called Duets. 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 Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I did not yeah, remember yeah. Duets. It was I'll right admit. before Simpsons. Simpsons and Married with Children kind of were the first big hits on Fox. Wow. It got 54 episode duet too. Wow. I... Yeah. 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 It was one of those sitcoms, a four camera sitcom with the hat, laugh track. Yeah. Three seasons. Uh, wow. That's, well, I will admit, if I write a book and like Dwight Schultz from the A Team calls for me to be on his show, I would oh, definitely God, it's the shit deal myself. Ever. Like, yeah, yeah, that'd like, be awesome. You used to watch, God, like I, I mean, I used to watch Wings so much on USA Network. It was always on. If any of those guys ever called, and they're not getting, I don't even think that they're big anymore. Any of those actors? What's Tim Daly up to? Yeah, he should do a show and call you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stephen <laughs> Weber, the guy from uh, Wings. Yeah, I always see him around, but he's like a dad. Or like a, <laughs> I was, right? you know, that's what they move up to. I was listening. Luke, I listened to. Yeah, old, I've seen three kids with movies with my kids, like, and Luke Wilson's been a dad. <laughs> like three of them, yeah. Yeah, he used to be the guy picking up the chicks. Now he's now he's. Yeah. Yeah, the, <laughs> I uh, I I listened to old Stern like all the time because I told you I don't really listen to new Stern, and they were going. There was this big wings controversy because they kept trying to get Howard on the show. And he wouldn't do it, so they went to Stuttering John, and Stuttering John did it. And Howard was yeah. all pissed off because he thought they only asked Howard, or only asked John to be on, so Howard would talk about it. He, he felt like they went around him to get the publicity they wanted. as a really, really funny bit. <laughs> really funny. Um, they were good. Their wings had some good people. I mean, like, uh, but uh, Soupy Sales. Yeah, yeah. Soupy, Soupy Sales playing uh, Simon Says with uh, Lowell, who's played by Thomas Hayden Church. Was still around, kind of. Yeah, I mean, he had he, he did sideways. I think he got nominated for an Oscar for that. But um, yeah, but the one person in Wings is named her, the lead actress named Crystal Bernard is not around anymore. Oh no, nobody can find her. Ever since like 2006, she has not. She's been off the face of the earth. Like Richard Simmons. Yeah, like Richard Simmons. But yeah, when's Netflix <laughs> going to do the Richard Simmons doc? It's got to come. I told you I'm a big Saints guy and I was in New Orleans for a Saints game and it was Saturday night and me and my wife were walking around. I don't think we were married yet. No, we definitely weren't married yet. This is I was in my early 20s or whatever. We were walking around New Orleans and, and there's a, a casino there and we're walking down the street. We're getting close to the casino and all of a sudden out of a door walks Richard Simmons right in front of me and he's dancing <laughs> and he's got like a line of people dancing behind him and he like walks right up to me and tries to get like me to dance it was like the most <laughs> surreal thing ever it's like did that really just happen or am i like hallucinating he had the whole outfit on you know the little shorts and everything and the... <laughs> he's from there right yeah he's from there yeah yep. yeah yeah so 
Simmons used to be like huge on the talk shows. So yeah, he was on Stern like, all go the on time. Jenny Jones and yep. Oprah and talk about talk to people and motivate them, and tell them that they're beautiful. Um, yeah. That was like a shtick. Like I, I remember, used to watch that all the time. Yeah, you should hear some of those old Stern appearances with him. Oh my God, Stern <laughs> would ter- terrorize him and make fun of that. Oh, oh my God, just uh, outrageously funny shit. For, that would never great, fly he now. Used to get yeah. people to say the craziest stuff. I remember Scott Baio, like, and that, he talked about every single person, woman Scott yep. Baio's been with. You know um, who we got in trouble was the kid from uh, that '70s show, Wilmer, what, whatever. Oh his, yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah, kind of well, he was like lying. Wasn't yeah, he? he got caught up in the moment. You know what I yeah. mean? And maybe stretch the truth a little bit on some. <laughs> people got all pissed off at him. Yeah, yeah, I remember that one. Yeah. Yeah, I remember he used to do all that stuff. Yeah. Was, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The so. book, the book again, it's called Freezing Cold Takes, NFL Football Media's Most Inaccurate Predictions and the Fascinating Stories Behind Them by Fred Siegel. Of course, you know the Twitter account, which is still awesome. Uh, last thing, I guess we'll get you get you out of here on this. The book seems to be doing well. People are interested is there a part two? Would you want to do the rest of the sports or the rest of the takes or a baseball specific yeah. one? Or yeah, that was the plan. Like, yeah, uh, when I first started, because I first when I first was going to do it, it was going to be all sports, but um, then I changed it to NFL. First of all, it was hard for me to choose what to use for all sports. So I was going to do like one per sport. Um, and you're missing out on a lot, so I just decided to do NFL. I could do a bit volume two NFL. I could do college football. I could do NBA. So. Yeah, lots of stuff to do. And NBA is such a like Twitter sport, I feel like, too. It's almost more popular on social media maybe yeah. than in real life. So there's got to be tons of material for NBA. Oh, NBA, when you hit an NBA thing, it's just like it, it gets so much engagement. Uh, I don't know. Uh, but I like it, it's it's any, anything on NBA gets so much engagement. Um, but like, especially just posting like a guy practicing, like, accounts can do that and will get. Right, stuff Curry Lots shooting favorite. threes, yeah, from the yeah, seats yeah. or whatever. I don't know why I'm good that, but yeah, yeah. All right, well, uh, anything else you want to plug? Anything else you want to mention about the book? Obviously, you can get it anywhere you buy a book. No, no, no yeah, secrets here. Yeah, Freezing Cold Takes NFL. You can get it anywhere. Buy a book. Amazon.com, Barnes and Noble, anywhere. Uh, and then, um, and uh, in, you can go to my Twitter feed at Old Takes Exposed. There's a link to the tweet. On my pin tweet, there's a link to the book. So. Yeah, and I'll be linking it as well, and have a few times already, so you can. Find, yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, you can find it on either one of our twitters. But I appreciate you doing this. Let's not wait seven years to do it again, huh? Let's have you back soon um, to uh, talk about people being wrong. It's fun. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right, thanks, Fred. I appreciate you, man. Sure. Have a good day down in Miami. No problem. I want to thank Fred Siegel for being on the podcast today. I also want to thank Joe Piznanski. Don't forget you can find this episode and all episodes of the Sportscasters on our SoundCloud page. at soundcloud.com slash sports-casters. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at sports underscore casters. Email me, the sportscasters at gmail.com. I still have copies of Brian Gewertz's book and Fred Siegel's book as well. If you're interested, email me there. Please give a five-star review on Stitcher if you feel like doing that. 
Don't forget to check out Peter Winston and Keithy. Greetings from Allentown Live at GF Allentown Pod for more information on that. Also, place to be nation. Their three or four actually networks of podcasting. It's place to be nation wrestling, place to be nation pop, the North South Pod Network, and the Jenny Position uh, on Twitter at P Two B N Wrestling at N O S O Pod Network and at Jenny Position. Also, don't forget about the 24-inch podcast coming back real soon for more information at 24-inch podcast uh, to find us on that, Dave, Paula, and I. All right, quickly, I was going to do one last thing today uh, on a grab bag. I have a whole list of stuff I want to talk about. Uh, my birthday, the Pearl Jam concerts, uh, Paula going back to school, all these different things. Uh, but I wanted to get my NFL picks on the record before the first week of the season. So we're going to do that today, and we will do the grab bag next time. Of course, next week, don't forget, the episode of the, the podcast will feature interviews with Richard Deitch uh, and S.L. Price. Uh, okay, quickly, let's go through it. The AFC East, uh, I got the Bills winning that. Uh, I heard some hilarious Dolphins fans uh, predicting that the Bills would finish third um, in the division. No. Uh, they're the best team. Uh, they're the favorites to win the Super Bowl. Uh, but the favorites in a million simulations only win about 10% of the time. So we'll see if I pick them to win the Super Bowl or not. Uh, the Bengals will win the North. The Colts will win the South. I think the Colts will be a sneaky team this year with the uh, upgrade at quarterback and some really good pieces around it. I have the Chargers winning the West. And the Chiefs, Ravens, and Raiders winning the wild cards. And then I have the Chargers uh, shocking the Bills at Rich Stadium in Orchard Park to win the AFC. In the NFC, I have the Cowboys edging out the Eagles in the East. The Vikings winning the division over a declining Packers team in the North. I have the Saints in the South. The Rams... In the West, I got the 49ers, the Buccaneers, and the Eagles. I wanted to go Lions but couldn't as the wild cards. And I have the Saints uh, winning the conference finals and the Saints winning the Super Bowl as I have picked each and every year uh, in the history of this podcast. Also, uh, some individual awards uh, to give away as well. Uh, let's start with the MVP, and it, it will be Josh Allen. Uh, it's his turn to win it. He was fantastic last year. He'll be fantastic this year as well, and he's a great representative of the city of Buffalo. As much as I don't like the Bills, I like Josh Allen. Offensive player of the year, I'll go with Jamar Chase to build off what he and Burrow did last year. Uh, TJ Watt, people love sacks. He makes a lot of them. I'll give him the defensive player of the year. Damian Pierce will win the offensive player of the year, and Hutchinson in Detroit. Uh, will win the Defensive Player of the Year. Comeback Player of the Year, let's go with Michael Thomas uh, to lead the Saints. And Super Bowl MVP, I will go with Jameis Winston. Thanks for listening today. Don't forget we're back next time with Richard Deitch. Pearl Jam for me tomorrow. Enjoy the football. I'm out of here.
be mine.